Good evening. Oh, good morning, church. Well, kia ora and uh, I just want to say first and foremost, it's a real privilege and honor to be here. Uh, for most of you who don't, which I think is most of you who don't know me, you're probably wondering who is this random Samoan from Elam Manureo coming to preach at our church? And just a little bit about me, I, I'm obviously, my name is Jake, as Pastor Daryl said. I've been a Christian for about nine years now, and I've been part of Elam for over a year, just over a year. Um, before I was at Elam, I was a, a Baptist. You don't hold that against me. I, I've, you know, I got saved after that, now I'm part of Elam. And I, I, felt, I fell in love with the church immediately. The people, the, the DNA, the, the culture, and very soon the, the DNA of Elam became my DNA um, as well. And since then, I've become a, a third-year intern. Uh, I'm now a third-year intern at ELC. I went straight to third year because ELC said I was special. Um, I'm, not, um, I'm not sure what they meant by special, but I'm, they might have meant something else. But, but yeah, since then, so part of, as part of my internship, I run the Alpha course as well as help run Growth Track. I'm also an oxygen leader as well as a young adults leader as well. And so very involved and very blessed to be part of uh, the church. What else can I say about myself? Well, I, I enjoy long walks along the beach and uh, you know, reciting poetry in my spare time. But in preparation to come here, I asked around some friends who, who've preached here as well and, and uh, people who visited here, and the consensus was that you guys have a reputation for being one of the warmest and most hospitable churches around. And that has been nothing but true ever since I walked in here. You guys have been so welcoming, so encouraging, so accommodating. So thank you so much. I do very much feel at home, so thank you for that. And I just want to acknowledge Pastor Darrell as well. Yeah. <laughs> I want to acknowledge Pastor Darrell as well. Thank you, um, Pastor Darrell, for entrusting me with preaching. Really do appreciate it. Um, I've only had really one meaningful conversation with, with, um, with Daryl. That was that block course where he was a mentor of sorts. And even in that, little, in that little brief conversation we had, I could tell this guy has a real heart for people, to see people grow and flourish and become more like Christ. And so in that small conversation I had, I got that impression. So I can already tell you guys are very blessed to have him as your pastor. And uh, Boyd, Boyd and um, she, uh, Prince, he wants to send his love as well. And he says he loves your shirts. So this, he just wanted to say that. But anyway, without further ado, let's get into the word. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. Father, we thank you that you are a good God and every good thing comes from your good hand. Father, we, we, trust, that we trust that your word will not return void. It will accomplish its purposes. Father, we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. So, Father, I pray that you would inhabit this place, that you would set this place apart, that your spirit would do a work here and not return void. Father, as we conclude the anatomy series and we focus on ears, Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear that you give us ears to discern your voice, to discern your calling, your purpose, your will as well. Father, we love you. We lift you up. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. The God that we know is inherently relational. God is not removed or detached or disinterested. No, God is inherently relational and personal. And because God is inherently relational, God is always speaking. And God is always speaking specifically to those who belong to him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And not only is God always speaking, but as believers, God has given us the capacity to hear his voice. He's given us ears to hear. So when the shepherd does speak, we can discern his voice. We can discern what he's saying. But just because God is always speaking doesn't always mean we're listening or catching what's being said. How many of you know that you, can, that you can hear someone talk but not actually be listening to what they're saying? I remember we had a staff meeting at Elam Manurewa and we were talking about some of the technical problems with the, with the lighting and the stage. And my good friend Andrew Malsop, who I'm sure you all know, he's a very good friend of mine, um, he said, well, the problem is, Jake, he said, the problem is the fobs aren't working. I said, what did you say? <laughs> he 
For those who don't know, fob is a, is a pejorative term for Polynesian people. It means fresh off the boat. And I said, he said, the problem, Jake, is the fobs aren't working. I said, why don't you say that to my face again? What's that? I said, as a Samoan, I find that very offensive. And he goes, no. He said, no, the lights, the fob lights aren't working. I said, oh, that makes sense. He was, he was talking about the lights. I can fair enough. I was, a, I was about to leave the church, but... But, but do you understand, I, I, was hearing, I was hearing Andy speak, but I wasn't discerning or catching what was being said. I think the same can be true with how we relate to God. There is a difference between hearing and listening. Here's the difference. Hearing is inactive. It's passive. It requires no effort because it's automatic. But listening, on the other hand, is intentional. There's purpose. It takes effort because you're honing in to process what's being said. Jesus wants us not only to be here is but to listen to what he has to say, to discern and, and actually catch what the Lord is saying to us. If you have your Bibles, can you open them to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 21 to 29? It's on your notes as well, so that's okay if you, you don't have your Bible. Now, in this passage, our Lord gives us four qualities of a good listener when the Lord is speaking. <clears throat> I'll read the text. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or not on a stand? For nothing is written except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone he hears to hear, let them hear. And he said to them, pay attention with what you hear. With the measure you use will be measured to you, and still more will be given. For the one who has, more will be given. From the one who does not, more will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom is like a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises day and night, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the full grain is ripe, at once he pulls out the sickle, for the harvest has come. So in this passage, Jesus gives us four qualities of a good listener when the Lord is speaking. Let's go to our first point. <clears throat> good listeners perceive God's truth. Good listeners perceive God's truth. In verse 24, Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. In other words, Jesus is saying, catch what you hear. Comprehend what you hear. Discern. Rightly divide what God is saying when he speaks. This is speaking of perception. Make sure you perceive what I'm saying. Now, the Lord speaks in, in, in a myriad of different ways. Now, God speaks, for example, through his word. He speaks through community. He speaks through prophecy, answered prayer, dreams, visions. He may even speak by prompting your heart for a particular personal need. But regardless of how God speaks, you have to be dialed in to discern what's being said. Being led by the Spirit assumes that you're in tune with the Spirit. It's like, uh, it's like turning the dial on a, on a radio to get the right frequency. It often takes time, intentionality, purpose, patience even. If we're going to discern what God is saying. If it's prophecy or prayer, for example, seek seek confirmation. If it's a word of knowledge, seek discernment. If it's community, seek godly, wise counsel. If it's teaching or theology, measure it against the word. Test everything. Measure what you're hearing so you can perceive what God is saying. Now, while God, while God speaks, again, in a myriad of different ways, the two primary and consistent ways God speaks is firstly through his word and community. And when it comes to discerning what God is saying through his word, it often takes diligence and application to, to really discern what God is saying through his word. 
And that's why it's so important that we read Scripture, we read the Bible within the context of community, that we glean off the, the wisdom and the counsel of, of the wider body of Christ. It even means being humble enough to sit with people who know more than you, who have more insight than you, who have more wisdom than you as well. And that's why it's so important to be part of a small group, because in a small group, you can grapple with God's Word together. You can, sort of, you can bounce off each other. You can encourage each other. You can even correct each other if necessary. All of the safeguards against misperceiving what God is saying through His Word. You know, sometimes, church, the truth can be right in front of you, but you completely miss the point. I remember when I was, I used to work uh, retail a long, long time ago in, in Botany. I think it was Jeans West. And, um, this store sells a lot of women's clothes as well. And uh, to be honest, I, I know nothing about girls' sizing. I know nothing about girls' sizing. Um, I, I couldn't look at a girl and tell you what size they should be. I mean, I like girls. I think they're awesome. But I couldn't tell you what, what, I couldn't tell you what their size would I couldn't tell you about sizing. And you know, to be honest, I, know, I knew nothing about the clothes either. Um, you know, I'm not sure why they hired me, to be honest. But, but I remember this one day, this, this lady walked in, and she was, um, she was trying to get my attention and have a conversation and ask about the clothes. And, but I was a little bit preoccupied helping a group of girls over here, and there was no one else working in the store. Until finally these girls moved away, and I could give this lady my full undivided attention. And I looked her up and down, and I said to her, wow, I said, congratulations. You know, we got some great maternity wear in the corner. I mean, would you like to... Would you like to try on some more maternity pants or stretchable sort of maternity pants? I mean, how many months along are you? Well, you know, congratulations. And she, um, she, she looked at me with a stern look on her face and said, I'm not pregnant, you idiot. That was, um, yeah, so, so after that, she, she fought in a bad uh, custom review, review and about inattentive, insensitive uh, service. Um, but you understand the point here. Some, the truth can be right in front of you, but you miss the point. And the same is true. That one probably wasn't the best illustration, but it's the best one I could come up with. <laughs> Sometimes you can miss the point. And the same is true with how we read Scripture. That's why it's so important that we read Scripture within the context of community. So we can bounce off each other. So we can help each other grapple with what God is saying. Amen. Now, am I saying we shouldn't read Scripture on our own? Of course not. Yeah, we should be cultivating you know, personal Bible reading in our own devotional life. And we should be grappling with the Word of God on a personal level. But even that has to be done within the context of community to safeguard against misperceiving what God is saying. Amen? And Jesus, if you do this, if you're diligent, if you're faithful in what God has revealed, Jesus says more will be given. More insight. More revelation. More counsel. More vision. More direction. If we're faithful and diligent with what God has revealed, more will be given. So good listeners perceive God's truth. Let's move to our second point. Good listeners reflect God's truth. Verse 21. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to be put under a bed or basket and not on a stand? <clears throat> so not only do good listeners perceive the truth, they reflect the truth. They manifest the truth. They shine the light of the truth. Church, you have been redeemed by the gospel to manifest the gospel. You have been delivered by the goodness of God to reflect the goodness of God. A person who's been saved by the gospel, yet does not manifest the gospel, is just as nonsensical as the person who buys a lamp for the purpose of keeping it hidden under their bed. That's Jesus' point here. We don't buy a lamp to keep it hidden, rather we, we buy a lamp to let its light shine, to manifest it. In the same way, we've been redeemed by the gospel, not to keep the reality of the gospel to ourselves, rather we're called to manifest it, to let its light shine. In John 17, Jesus prays a prayer to the Father. 
And he says, Father, I have manifested your name. In other words, Jesus was saying, Father, I've manifested your will, your character, your attributes, your goodness, your compassion to people. And in the same way, church, we are called to manifest the name of Christ, his will, his character, his compassion, his goodness, his mercy towards people. We manifest the name of Christ by shining the light of God's truth. You know, from a Jewish perspective, inherent in the idea of hearing truth is application of truth. In other words, when Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, what he really was saying is, whoever has ears to hear, let them perceive and catch and apply what I'm saying. So if you hear the truth, but don't apply the truth, you actually haven't caught it. So good listeners perceive the truth, but they also reflect the truth as well. Let's move to our third point. Good listeners share the truth. Good listeners share the truth. Go to verse 26. Jesus says, this is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is like a man with a scattered seed on the land. So there is an evangelistic thrust to what Jesus is saying here. The man or the farmer who sows, he sows a seed. Now this is speaking of the believer who sows God's truth into people's lives. So good listeners not only perceive the truth and reflect the truth, good listeners actually share the truth. The gospel has to be verbalized. God's truth has to be communicated using words. Now, church, the assumption is that your proclamation is supported by a life that is a testimony to God's transforming power. That's the assumption. This gives your proclamation credibility. It gives your proclamation weight. Our lives should be a testimony to God's transforming power of the gospel. And we actually should be the Bible people can see before we give them the Bible they can read. I had an atheist say to me once, if you show me your redeemed life, I might be interested in your redeemer. So our life should be a living testimony to God's transforming power. But nevertheless, the gospel has to be proclaimed. It has to be shared. It has to be verbalized if it's going to change people's lives. You know, when I was at high school, I used to play a lot of cricket. Um, cricket was my thing. I was the you know, captain of the first level cricket team. I, was, I, played, I played club level cricket, representative level cricket as well. And a really good friend of mine who came through all the ranks with me, and we were really good mates. We did everything together. Um, but up until about five years ago, we sort of lost contact, and we just sort of drifted apart. But until about two weeks ago, we reunited, and, we, and he shared with me, he'd just given his life to Christ. And he said to me, he said, you know, bro, look, I know that you know, we were really good friends. You're one of my best mates. And I knew that you're a Christian, that you went to church, that you lived it out. And you probably didn't want to offend me or, or force your beliefs onto me. But to be honest, man, I really wish you just shared the gospel with me. Because I feel like the last five years of my life have been wasted because I didn't know Jesus. And I said to him, thank you for guilt tripping me as not sharing my faith. I appreciate that. I should have shared it when I, when I had the chance. But I appreciate what he said, church. Listen, good listeners, we, we perceive the truth, we reflect the truth, we manifest the truth, but there comes a point in time where you actually have to share the truth if it's going to change people's lives. We verbalize what God has said in his word. Paul said, how will they be saved? How will they call upon Christ if nobody preaches to them? So good listeners, share the truth. Let's go to our fourth and final point. Good listeners, trust God's truth. Good listeners, trust God's truth. Go to verse 26 and 29. Let's read. This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It's like a man would scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise day and night. The seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. 
Of its own accord, the, the land yields fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. So Jesus is building upon his previous point. The farmer sows the seed, which is the gospel. That's speaking of us as believers. And it says he goes to bed, and the harvest comes. But it goes on to say he knows not how. So in other words, the farmer is responsible for sowing the seed. He's responsible for preparing the soil. But beyond that, he has no control of the harvest. He has no power over whether the, the, the seed produces or flourishes. That's not his responsibility. He has no power over that. And the same way as believers, we sow the seed of God's truth into people's lives. We even prepare the soil. How do we prepare the soil? We prepare the soil by, you know, by loving people, by serving people, you know, by reaching, serving, influencing, by connecting with people on common ground, by being relevant. That's how we prepare the soil for the reception of the seed of the gospel. But, but, it's God, but God is the God of the harvest. God brings the harvest. I have no responsibility of the harvest. That's God's responsibility. Does that make sense? My job is to reflect the truth, share the truth, manifest the truth, but God is the one who changes hearts. God is the one who changes lives. That's not my responsibility. That's beyond my power. I want to encourage some of you here who might be feeling discouraged because you've been sowing truth into your family's lives or to your friends' lives and nothing seems to be happening. But I want to encourage you that God is the God of the harvest. That's his power. That's his domain. That's his purpose. Just keep sowing the truth. Keep, keep sowing. Keep reflecting. Keep manifesting. Keep connecting. And God will use your testimony. He'll use your sharing to bring about the change in people's lives. But he is the one who brings the harvest. I remember I, I used to get really frustrated as a preacher because I, when I do an altar call, nobody would respond. And I'd be thinking, man, this is, this is embarrassing. Nobody ever responds to my altar calls. This is, whenever Boyd or Haley does an altar call, the whole church gets saved again. So I, I actually told my, one of my friends, I said, bro, whenever I do an altar call, can you actually respond to the altar call every, every time I do one? And, and look, he's, he's a strong Christian. He loves Jesus. He's a strong Christian. And he's a really good friend. And I said, yeah, sure, bro, I can do that. So every time I have an altar call, he'd, respond, he'd come up the front and respond. And so he, he's, been, he's been saved about 20 times now. So um, I, feel, I feel bad for him because I think the church thinks he backslides every time I preach. Um, I probably should tell them what's going on. But, but, this, but from this text, the, the reality is my job is proclamation. God's job is salvation. My job is to reflect the truth, love people, connect with people, manifest the truth, and God will bring the harvest. Amen. So just wrapping up here, church. <clears throat> Good listeners perceive the truth. They understand what God is saying. Good listeners reflect the truth. They manifest the truth. Good listeners share the truth. They actually verbalize what God has said in his word. And good listeners trust the truth. We reflect the truth, love people, manifest the truth, and God will bring the harvest. That's what good listeners do. If I could have the band join me on stage, please, or someone on keys, please, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. You know, church, Jesus wants us not just to be hearers of the word, but listeners of the word. He wants us to grasp and comprehend and actually perceive what's being said. You know, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he, Jesus spoke in parables. And he spoke in parables to the crowds and the multitudes. Anybody and everybody could hear the parable. But only the disciples understood what Jesus was saying. 
And they're the only ones who understood because he was the only one they gave the interpretation to. And the reason Jesus gave them the interpretation was because they were willing to journey with him, to have fellowship with him, to connect with him, to seek him, to pursue him, to really dig deep and really discern what he was saying. He gave them the interpretation because they're willing not just to hear, but to listen. I would encourage you, if you're, if you're struggling to discern God's voice or his purpose or his plan, I'd encourage you to really dig in, to really discern, to really perceive and catch what God is saying. Dig in. And Jesus said, if you do that, if, you, if, you, if you're diligent, if you pursue him, Jesus said, more will be given, more insight, more, more wisdom, more revelation, and more <clears throat> direction as well. I also know there are some of you here who don't know this Jesus I'm talking about. And some of this won't make sense to you. But I want to encourage you that Jesus is speaking to you as well. But he wants you to listen. He wants you to hear what he's saying. And Jesus is speaking to you because he wants you to know him. He wants you to come into a relationship with him. That's why I'm not going to close without giving people an opportunity to know Jesus. Because only in him is there meaning, purpose, forgiveness, and freedom as well. It is the heart of God to have a relationship with you. But there's a barrier. There's a problem. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. The Bible calls this sin, and it separates people from God. But Jesus came to bridge the gap. He came to bring us into right relationship with God by dying, on, by dying the death that we should have died on the cross. And because of what Jesus did, we can be forgiven of sin. We can find freedom, meaning, purpose, and relationship with God if we come to know Him. So with every head down and eye closed, I want you to pray this. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If that sounds like you, if you want to know this Jesus, if you want to find freedom, meaning, purpose, and relationship with God, I want to invite you to raise your hand. This is not to embarrass you or to make you stand out. This is so I can stand in agreement with you so I know who I'm praying for. That's awesome. Now can I invite the entire church to pray this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again from the dead. I trust in you and you alone. No longer a slave to sin. For the Son has set me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, that's me. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed to be here once again. And uh, God bless you all. Thank you.